Roster moves, news, and rumors. That is what the offseason is all about. And while it hasn't been a big trade or free agent signing yet for the Orioles, there were certainly some moves made on Tuesday. And we'll get to them all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, November 15th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are getting through a lot of Orioles news and notes from earlier this week. Talk about Tucker Davidson and Taryn Vavra being outrighted off the roster, thinking that might mean The O's would add some prospects to protect them from the 40-man roster, from the Rule 5 draft, I should say. But I'll tell you why they didn't add anyone to the 40-man for the first time in a while. We'll talk about Gunnar Henderson and Brandon Hyde winning some awesome awards this week. And then finally, a candidate has emerged for the Orioles' open pitching coach job. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So we jump right into the Orioles news and notes here on today's episode. Let's start with the two roster moves that the Orioles made on Tuesday as they outrighted Tucker Davidson and Taryn Vavra off the 40-man roster. Now, what that means is essentially the two of them were pretty much DFA'd earlier in the week. We didn't hear about it. And then they cleared through waivers. Neither team, or none of the other teams, none of the other 29, wanted Davidson or wanted Vavra. And so they clear waivers. Both of them, in terms of where they are in their service time and their contracts, did not yet have the ability to refuse an assignment to AAA and become a free agent. So instead, the two of them are sent to AAA Norfolk and are cleared off the 40-man roster, which leaves the Orioles 40-man currently at 36 players with four open spots. So let's start with Tucker Davidson, who is the left-handed pitcher that the Orioles had claimed off waivers from the Kansas City Royals earlier this offseason. Now, Davidson, who's pitched for the Braves for a while, and then the Angels and the Royals recently in 2023, he was a guy who the Orioles brought in and immediately... When they claimed, you can go back and listen to the episode a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the claim of Tucker Davidson, I said, most likely, Tucker Davidson is not going to survive the entire offseason on the Orioles 40-man roster. Most likely, because the O's claimed him, right? They are 29th out of 30 on the waiver wire list. So when the O's claim him, and the fact that they know the only team behind them is the Braves, who Davidson was DFA'd by earlier this year, they pretty much know, okay, if we place Davidson on waivers, he's already passed through 27 other teams, right? He's probably going to get through the Braves because they didn't want him a year ago. So if we pass him through waivers, he will actually get through. No one will claim him and we'll be able to free up that 40-man spot, but keep Davidson in the organization. And that is what the Orioles wanted to do overall. This is a guy who has had his struggles the last couple of years, but He's got some solid stuff, and that changeup, or the, the, you know, the split change essentially that he not debuted this year but really had more of a focus on this season, showed itself data-wise to be an elite pitch. And the O's see him as a guy who can get lefties and righties out in bulk, maybe multiple innings out of the bullpen, and could help them 
in 2024, but they knew maybe not good enough to hold a 40-man roster spot all offseason. So I predicted, hey, they're going to DFA him at some point and have a pretty good feeling he'll pass through waivers. That's exactly what happened, and they get to keep him in AAA. This is pretty much on the dot what the Orioles did with Ryan O'Hearn last offseason. Got him from the Royals, DFA'd him, kept him in the org, didn't make the team out of opening day, but... If you remember what happened with Ryan O'Hearn last season, once he got up here for good in May, it was a huge addition. Not saying Tucker Davidson's going to be the pitcher version of Ryan O'Hearn, but this was kind of the Orioles' plan the entire time. This does not change at all his ability to make the team out of spring training or just even be with the organization in 2024 and help the Orioles. Again, this was the plan, and so not surprising at all that Davidson was outrighted. Maybe slightly more surprising was Taryn Vavra, who was also outrighted off the 40-man roster. And maybe a little bit more surprising that Vavra himself was not claimed by another team. He, again, could not refuse his assignment, so he has taken off the 40-man and is in AAA Norfolk. Now, it was a tough year for Taryn Vavra. Of course, the Orioles got the utility guy in the trade with the Colorado Rockies for Michael Gibbons back in 2020, made his Major League debut with the Orioles in the second half of the 2022 season, and he played sparingly, but, you know, in 103 plate appearances, he had a 99 WRC+, was basically a league average hitter in sparse playing time last season, showed he could play multiple positions, second, third, short, left field, right field, maybe even a little first base. He was the emergency catcher. He was a versatile utility guy who had at least a solid big league bat, didn't have a lot of power, but could spray it to all fields and looked like a useful bench player moving forward for the Orioles. Then we got to this year and it did not go as well. Now he only got 56 plate appearances in the big leagues this year, but the bat was much worse. Just a 64 WRC plus for Vavra this season, spent some time in AAA, suffered a shoulder injury, tried to come back from it, kind of re-injured it, and essentially just shut him down for the rest of 2023 with that shoulder injury. He ended the year on the 60-day injured list. So it's not all just that he struggled. Again, you know, it hasn't even played a full year in the big leagues, but he is 26 years old already. But the fact that he's coming off kind of a major injury and also a shoulder injury can at times zap a guy's power Taron Vavra has no power to begin with, and this is something I've said about Vavra time and time again over the past year or so, as we've talked about like what is his future really with the Orioles organization, because there are certainly, we can all agree on this, better infield prospects coming up around him. I talked about how Taron Vavra's game is kind of similar to Luis Arise. Now, Vavra is a more versatile defender, which is a good for him, but of course, Arise is a much better hitter at this point, but they're kind of the same kind of hitter, right? They're like a singles hitter, left-handed bat, but hitting it to left field the other way, don't really walk a lot, don't really strike out a lot. They put the ball in play at all times. But if you're going to be a guy in Major League Baseball in 2023, 2024, and you're not going to have any power at all, which Arise really doesn't have, and Vavra has shown he doesn't have it all. You have to be a special hitter. Luis Arise is a special hitter. Taron Vavra is just not at this point. That's why I said earlier this offseason he was one of the first couple of DFA candidates that was going to come up. It happened. Luckily for the O's, right, he wasn't claimed. He gets to stay in AAA, and he will, you know, most likely get an invite. I, I, honestly, not even most likely. He definitely will have an invite to big league spring training in February and March, and will have a chance to potentially compete for a roster spot with the Orioles. But 
I just don't see a spot being there for him. He's going to be AAA depth. He'll spend probably the entire year in AAA Norfolk in 2024. And then the Orioles' hope is going to be he plays well and stays healthy next year, builds up his trade value, and maybe next offseason, the Orioles can trade him away to at the very least get a little something in return. Because at this point, with the infielders that have already passed him and the no power in the bat, I just don't see a future for Taron Vavra with the Orioles. But for now, he does stick in the organization. So with those two moves, you know, they were already at 38 players on the 40 man. They had space, but that cut them down to 36. And generally when you have less than 40 guys on the roster and you're outriding players, it's one of two things. You automatically know no matter what that these guys are going to pass through waivers and you're going to get to keep them and just get them off the roster. Or you're clearing space to make other moves. And the thought was, because the Vavra and Davidson moves came much earlier in the day Tuesday, the Rule 5 protection deadline was not until the evening, the thought was, oh, the Orioles are clearing some space here. They might be adding some guys to the 40-man. Except that didn't happen. Orioles became you know, one of the handful of teams of the 30 that did not add any players to the 40-man roster on Tuesday. Now, what Tuesday's deadline was, was the deadline to protect players from the Rule 5 draft. The Rule 5 draft, if you don't know much about it, is essentially a draft to stop teams from just hoarding players in the minors and never really giving them a big league shot. It allows players who, if they are high school draft picks, have been in your organization for four years or more, or if they were college draft picks and have been in your organization essentially for three years or more and have not reached the big leagues yet, or at the very least have not been placed on the 40-man roster yet, it gives other teams a chance to come in and draft them from your organization. Now, the stipulation is with the Rule 5 draft is that if you draft a player from another team, that player has to stay on your active MLB roster or the injured list for the entirety of the following season. If you don't do that, they get returned to their original team. So essentially, it's a way to give guys who are just blocked on other teams a chance to play in the big leagues. If you can keep a guy for an entire year on your big league roster, you get him moving forward. Now, the Orioles over the last almost decade or so, pretty much every year, they have protected guys at this deadline. And specifically throughout the rebuild, there's been four, five, six players per year that were good prospects that were eligible for the Rule 5 draft that the Orioles have added to the 40-man roster to protect them from getting plucked away by another team. But this was a weird year for the Orioles. Now, some of that has to do with the fact that the 2020 college draft class was eligible this year. And if you remember, the 2020 draft during the pandemic was only five rounds instead of the usual 20 rounds. And quite frankly, the year before that, it was 40 rounds. So not nearly as many college players entered systems that year, which means there were just less Rule 5 eligible players in general this offseason. And when you include the 2019 high school guys, the guys that would have been protected by the O's were either already on the big league roster or were elsewhere. There really would have been four slam dunk guys in this group. From the 2019 high school class, it would have been Gunnar Henderson. Uh, we'll get to what he's in the news for in a couple of minutes. And Daryl Hernandez, who the Orioles traded to the athletics in the offseason for Cole Irvin and Kyle Verbitsky. And Hernandez was protected on Tuesday to the athletics 40-man roster. The two college guys from 2020 would be Heston Kerstad and Jordan Westberg, and oh, look at that, they're both already on the 40-man roster, both were on the postseason roster for the Orioles this year. So they don't have to worry about those guys. So essentially, they just had a bunch of fringe candidates that they were trying to choose from. 
And really the main three candidates for being added to the roster are all pretty much coming off of major injuries. Hudson Haskin, who was a 2020 college pick, second rounder out of Tulane. Versatile outfielder, kind of a funky swing, but it works. Really good defender. Suffered a pretty major injury that kept him out for most of 2023. And for me, that's probably why he wasn't protected, just still coming off that injury. I think the Orioles think that another team won't pick him up in the Rule 5 draft just because they're worried about the injury. Then the other two guys are pitchers Zach Peek and Kyle Brenovich. Both of those guys came over in the Kyle Bradish trade. Well, I guess it was at that time the Dylan Bundy trade, but now I'm calling it the Kyle Bradish trade. There were two of the other pitchers who came over from the Angels. And both got Tommy John surgery recently. Now both returned to pitch some at the end of 2023, or at least we're, we're getting themselves pretty close to being back. But I just think because they've been out for so long, you know, Peak hasn't even pitched in AAA, they're coming off Tommy John, the Orioles are probably, although they still think Peak and Brnovich can be good pitchers, they're probably thinking, all right, coming off the TJ, I'm not sure if other teams are going to take a chance on these guys in the Rule 5 draft. So the Orioles rolling the dice a little bit with those guys. But really, I agree with the Orioles' decision, right? Like, the only other names maybe were, like, Brandon Young, who had a pretty bad injury in 2023, and then Ryan Watson, who was the Orioles' minor league pitcher of the year in 2022, but had a 5-plus ERA in Norfolk this year, and had a very much a down year where I don't think anyone is going to pluck him up. Those are probably the top five names, and they all had reasons why to not protect them. I think the Orioles made the right move here. I've been saying it leading up to this deadline. I didn't think the O's were going to protect anyone on the 40-man roster, and that's what happened. So some of their prospects will be available, but again, it won't be their top guys. And one of these names I mentioned, or even someone else, could be plucked away. It certainly could happen in the Rule 5 draft. It's happened in the past. It happens to teams every year that have really good farm systems. They lose some players to the Rule 5 draft. But this year, it was just a case of timing and... I just don't think there was anyone the Orioles felt was worthy of giving a coveted 40-man roster spot to, especially if you're planning on really adding to this big league team and making the most of those open spots this offseason. But what I will say is the fact that they didn't add anyone, they already had two open 40-man spots, and then they cleared two more by outriding Davidson and Vavra. I would expect at least one waiver claim by the Orioles over the next week or so because with a lot of teams adding players to their own 40-man rosters, they didn't have as much space and a lot of interesting guys got DFA'd on Tuesday. I would look at some guys maybe like Josh Stalmont potentially from the Royals. Maybe if the Orioles wanted to go this way, Cal Quantrill from the Guardians. There are others out there who are interesting guys for the Orioles to look at, Calvin Fauché from the Rays. I think the O's are gearing up to probably claim at least one of these guys on waivers and get them in their organization. But those were the big roster moves from Tuesday. But we also got some Orioles news earlier this week, and the O's brought home some serious hardware this week. Brandon Hyde and Gunnar Henderson being honored. We'll talk about each of them winning awards coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, at this point, you've heard me talk about Jace Medical a lot on this podcast. Jace Medical is the company that has the Jace case. What is the Jace case? The Jace case basically gives you 
a supply of five different antibiotics to have them when you need them. And you can also get, now with your Jace case or with Jace Medical, a one-year supply of ED medications as well. You can travel with them. If you have any supply chain issues, any kind of natural disaster, you are covered. You don't have to worry about it. So go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. And remember to use promo code Locked On at checkout as well. So if you or someone you love would love to get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com and see if it's offered for you. And remember to use promo code Locked On for $20 off your purchase. So it is a Orioles news and notes episode from a busy early part of the week here, week before Thanksgiving for the Orioles. And it is award season as well. As we talked about it a little bit, Silver Sluggers were handed out, a couple of O's winning those last week. But the big ones came out on Monday and Tuesday. And let's start with Monday night as the Rookie of the Year awards were handed out. And as we all expected, Gunnar Henderson was named 2023 American League Rookie of the Year. And he was certainly the deserving candidate. And he was unanimous. All 30 first place votes went to Gunnar Henderson. It was actually pretty cool. Corbin Carroll, who won in the National League for the Diamondbacks, also was unanimous. And also cool, these guys were pretty much the consensus number one and number two prospects in baseball coming into the season. I find it cool that the two of them won their respective Rookie of the Year awards. It just kind of shows, hey, these were the future of baseball, and they proved that they are in their first season in the big leagues. Gunnar Henderson in 150 games this season for the Orioles, 622 plate appearances, hit 255 with a 325 on base and a 489 slugging percentage, 28 home runs for Gunnar and a 125 OPS plus. And remember for Gunnar Henderson, I mean, this is a guy who was walking a lot, but remember, who's just uber passive at the plate, was hitting 170 in mid-May, and the O's were still playing him pretty much every day. And some people who don't know ball. We're calling for Henderson to be sent back down to AAA Norfolk. Listen, we knew. We knew he was going to break out of it, and he did in a big way. Beats out Tanner Bybee, the pitcher for the Guardians, Tristan Casas, first baseman for the Red Sox, and Josh Young, third baseman of the Rangers for the award. And again, just to see him get all 30 first place votes was pretty awesome. Did get a little lucky that Josh Young broke his thumb in the middle of the season. Yes, he did. But I think even if Young stays healthy, Henderson still wins the award with how good he was this season. Becomes the seventh Oriole to win the AL Rookie of the Year award. First since Greg Olson won it back for the Why Not Orioles in 1989 and from the Orioles front office perspective even better than Henderson winning this award is that the Orioles get another draft pick per the new CBA the rules to try and stop service time manipulation tell you that if a rookie completes an entire year of service time or basically is on the opening day roster and spends the entire year on your team and finishes top two in the rookie of the year voting you're going to get a draft pick. And it looks like, this is not confirmed yet, but it looks like the Orioles will receive the 31st pick in the 2024 draft. So the Orioles already are picking much lower than they're used to because they won 101 games, but they're picking 24th in the first round. Then it looks like they'll pick 31st. And then, according to Joe Doyle, who's been on this podcast multiple times and does a great job covering the MLB draft, 
He said most likely the Orioles will also get a competitive balance pick this year in competitive balance round A, and that pick will be somewhere between 33 and 40. So the Orioles could have, it looks like, three picks in the top 40 of next year's draft. They will continue to feed this talent into the minor league system. And these things like this, having three picks in the top 40 and how good Mike Elias and his team have been at drafting, even though Brad Selick, who has overseen their draft operations the past few years, has moved on to take a better job with the Nationals this offseason. I do think Matt Blood, who's kind of stepping into that role, will do a great job. Because the O's have been so good at drafting and they have three picks in the top 40, this is why I feel comfortable with the Orioles trading away some of their prospects to go get big league talent. Because Michael Elias, one thing he has shown time and time again, they can replenish that minor league system. And especially when you're getting three of the top 40 picks, you have a really good chance of getting really good players to replenish that system. That is another reason to trade away some prospects and go make your big league team better right now because the O's can win the 2024 World Series. And if they do... Gunnar Henderson this year's AL Rookie of the Year would certainly be a big part of that, and I think we'll be in the conversation for AL MVP come this time next year. And then the other big award winner, the one that was more of a nail-biter, the one we didn't at least 100% expect, is that Brandon Hyde has won the American League Manager of the Year award. In his fifth season as Orioles manager, he has gone through a lot of losing 52 wins in 2021, 83 wins last year, and then 101 wins and an AL East title this year. Yes, the O's were swept out of the playoffs in the ALDS, but again, all this voting is done the day the regular season ends. There is no playoffs in this voting. And Brandon Hyde wins the award. And actually, I expected him to win, but I didn't expect him to get this many of the first place votes. Again, there are 30 voters for the award. Member Henderson got all 30 first place votes. Brandon Hyde got 27 of the 30 first place votes. Bruce Bochy of the Rangers got the other three, but remember, voting happens after the regular season, so no one that voted saw that Bochy took the Rangers to a World Series title, but he still did a great job turning that team around in the regular season. Then Kevin Cash of the Rays came in third, but very cool for Brandon Hyde, who, who really deserves this honor. Listen, he had to go through a lot with those, especially 19, 20, and 21, just horrendous Orioles teams that he was managing, had Nothing he could work with in terms of talent on the field. Finally got some players in 2022. Had a great turnaround. Just missed the playoffs, but had a winning season. And then, man, I mean, the Orioles were amazing this year. The clubhouse chemistry that he put together was incredible. You could see it on the field, off the field. The fact that the Orioles were 30-16 and 16 in one-run games, some of that is the manager, and you got to give some credit to Brandon Hyde for that. I mean, he just seems to be the perfect fit for this team, for this organization, seems to be fully bought in with his coaching staff, with the front office, with his players. Just an incredible, incredible achievement and award for him. It was awesome to see him breaking down in tears when the Orioles clinched the division in late September, and just everything that this has meant to him. He deserves this honor. Hyde, according to Mark Feinstein of MLB.com, this is a good nugget, becomes only the ninth manager of the year award winner who did not play Major League Baseball. Now, Hyde did play in the minors, and there's a good story from Sam Cohn in the Baltimore Sun this week about his time at Long Beach State, kind of a, a well-known West Coast college baseball program where Hyde apparently gave this 
like it's his fifth year, senior year. He was not trying to have his season end. He was on a really good Long Beach State team. They were struggling in the middle of the season. And he gave this like famous speech after a game in the hotel that like all these former teammates remembered and were able to recall in this story with Sam Cohn. It's a pretty cool one. Go and check that one out at the Baltimore Sun. But he also becomes the fourth Orioles manager to win the award. Buck Showalter did it in 2014. Davey Johnson did it in 1997. And Frank Robinson won it in 1989. Congratulations to the skipper in Brandon Hyde. But speaking of the Orioles coaching staff, and speaking of rookies of the year, we got one more piece of Orioles news to get to. Ken Rosenthal dropping a little nugget earlier this week in his notes column about the Orioles search for their next pitching coach. And an interesting name came up and kind of the first name to be connected to the opening. We'll talk about that to finish off the pod coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. Now, the NFL season, it is going strong here. And you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel official partner of the NFL. So back here on an Orioles news and notes episode, finishing things off with the Orioles search for their new pitching coach. Now, a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't aware, the Orioles made some changes to the coaching staff. Now they said they were bringing back most of their major league staff for 2024, but the two changes involved the pitching side. One was Chris Holt, who has been the Orioles pitching coach now since 2020 was basically moving back to his previous role when he was hired by Michael Elias and the Orioles to be the O's director of pitching, meaning he is essentially overseeing all levels of pitching. So not just at the major league level, but all the minor league levels as well. He'll bounce around from team to team in the minors and be with the major league club some. But this was really the role that Holt had more so with the Astros. He was the minor league director of pitching, had more so when he first came to the Orioles. And yes, they wanted to give him a shot as big league pitching coach. And I think it worked out well. The guys seemed to like him, but for his skill set, for what he can do for the O's, it always seemed like his better role was kind of in this director of pitching role. So he goes back into that. And the Orioles also decided not to bring Darren Holmes back, Holmes, who was their assistant pitching coach in 2023. So those two jobs are open. Now, there's a couple of internal candidates for both of the jobs who would be interesting. Ryan Klimek, who is kind of the Orioles' director of pitching strategy and analytics and roles like that. And then Justin Ramsey, who's been the Orioles' AAA Norfolk pitching coach for a couple of years and is very highly regarded by not just the organization, but the players he's worked with as well. Certainly both would be candidates. And I talked on an earlier episode this offseason about some potential out-of-the-organization candidates, including the two pitching coaches right now for the Astros in Houston, who know Mike Elias well and were there in the minors when he was there and could certainly be fits. But one name came up from Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic earlier this week, writing in his notes column that, quote, Andrew Bailey is a candidate for the Orioles and Red Sox pitching coach jobs. Now, that nugget doesn't tell you a whole, whole lot. It doesn't even say definitively that the Orioles have interviewed Bailey so far, but not a lot leaks out from the Orioles, especially in these coaching searches. 
So to know that Ken has that nugget probably tells you that at the very least, the Orioles have reached out to Bailey's agent and might even mean they have interviewed him already for the job. Well, who is Andrew Bailey? Well, former big league pitcher, big time remember some guys guy, was a mostly a reliever for the Athletics, Red Sox, Yankees, Phillies, and Angels from 2009 to 2017. Was a two-time All-Star there at the beginning. Was really, really good with the A's, 2009 and 2010 All-Star. And I mentioned Rookie of the Year. He was the 2009 AL Rookie of the Year. Then when he retired, decided to retire in 2018 and got right into coaching, came off the field with the Angels, went right into coaching. He became their replay coordinator and a coaching assistant in 2018. Then the Angels promoted him to be their bullpen coach in the 2019 season. And then he was good enough that the San Francisco Giants hired him in 2020 to be their pitching coach. And he has been there with the Giants as their pitching coach for the past four seasons. But here's the thing. The Giants now have a new manager. Gabe Kapler is out, and the veteran Bob Melvin is in. And I think a lot of people think, if it hasn't happened already, Melvin could bring in his own pitching coach on that staff, which could leave Andrew Bailey without a job. Now, he's a younger guy, only 39 years old. I mean, just six years ago, he was still pitching in the big league, so fairly close to the age of a lot of these pitchers. And Bailey seems to be very highly regarded in the game of baseball right now, not just as a player, but as a pitching coach. And it's especially good that he was with the Giants because the Giants hired a very interesting, diverse, and really analytically-minded group of coaches under Gabe Kapler, really helped them have that amazing season in 2021. And they have some interesting minds over there. And I enjoy that Bailey held that job with the Giants for as long as he did. Now, if the Orioles really want Andrew Bailey, here is the one issue. Again, Ken Rosenthal also mentioned that he is a candidate for the Red Sox opening pitching coach job. Here's the big issue. Not only did Bailey pitch for the Red Sox and not the Orioles, and honestly, at least for me, when I remember some guys and remember Andrew Bailey, I remember him in a Red Sox uniform more than any other. And here's the other issue. Craig Breslow was just hired as the Red Sox president of baseball operations slash GM slash whatever earlier this offseason. Breslow was teammates with Andrew Bailey in Boston when they both pitched there in the same bullpen. But not only that, Andrew Bailey helps Craig Breslow run his pediatric cancer research charity. The two seem to be very close. So you have to think if Bailey is down to the Red Sox and the Orioles for their pitching coach jobs, it would seem like the inside track would go to the Red Sox to get him. But hey, if the Orioles really want him, it is something that could happen and certainly something we will keep our eye on as that might be before the O's even make a free agent signing or a trade could be kind of the first thing to hit this offseason is the Orioles hiring a new big league pitching coach. But that'll do it for today's episode. We thank you so much for tuning in. We've been doing a lot of like player season reviews and mailbags over the past couple of days. So it was really, really nice to kind of jump into some news and notes here. And hey, you know, it's not the big stuff that's going to happen yet in the offseason. As I talked about in yesterday's mailbag, we're probably going to have to wait until at least after Friday, the non-tender deadline, and most likely until the winter meetings get started in the first week of December to have the hot stove really heat up and the moves start to be made. But this is still nice to get to talk about some news and notes. And Speaking of those bigger moves that could be made, the O's should be in the trade market for pitching this offseason. So on tomorrow's episode, we're going to start taking a look at who those big-time starting pitchers are around the league that are available via trade and what it would take for the O's to go get them in a blockbuster deal. And tomorrow, we talk about Dylan Cease. We got a White Sox friend. 
coming on the show. Talk about is Dylan Cease available and what the price would be for the Orioles to go get him. That's on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.